Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Skeptics Stack Exchange podcast. Uh, this podcast is hosted by Marco Cecconi, one of the moderators of the Skeptics Stack Exchange site, and uh, Steve Lundquist. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, Steve is also a moderator there, and uh, today we're going to talk about medical science. Yeah, it, it, this is a pretty um, broad topic. Uh, previously, we talked about vaccines, which is kind of a subset of medical science. Uh, but I think the field is, as a whole, medical science, gets asked, you know, gets a lot of questions on the site. Um, and I think it would be a good discussion, but we do want to caveat, kind of like we did with the vaccines, that if you have any real medical questions, don't ask the internet. Ask a doctor, a competent medical professional. Absolutely. Don't ask us. We know nothing about medicine. We only report what we find on the internet as well, so in re on reputable sites. So yes. don't trust us. Um, <laughs> So, um, medical, medical science is, is a broad topic. I, I, there, is a, there is a small anecdote there. Um, this, this tag used to be called medicine. And at, at some point, uh, Jeff Atwood, one of the founders of the site, came, came off on our meta and beat, beat, out, beat us on the head uh, with that definition. Because, you know, medicine means, is an overloaded word, right? Does it mean yes. like a, a medicine, like something you take, or medicine, the, the field of science, or what is it? Um, so it used to be much, much wider, and we went through each single question, tech medicine, and we changed it to either medical science or, uh, I don't remember how we called it, medicament or something like that. Medication. Medication, yeah. 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 Um, so one of the first questions that we have on the site, uh, in fact, um, well, not really one. I thought, I thought it was earlier, but if it's from the, from the second month um, of... of of life of the site is this one uh, is popping is popping your knuckles bad for you so i pop my knuckles fairly frequently says uh, peter olson and i've been told on several occasions that doing uh, doing so is bad for your joints is that true uh, have there been any medical medical science uh, sorry studies on this larian so what's what's, yeah. what's the answer well, okay, so this is a, an interesting one because I think pretty much everybody um, has been told that. And uh, it's kind of funny because if you look at the question, again, it's one of the earlier ones, it doesn't necessarily have a great deal of uh, supporting uh, documentation for it to be a, a question of some notoriety. But I think 165 uh, upvotes of uh, that is a question with zero downvotes. Uh, kind of does show that, yes, a lot of people have heard this. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, the, the basic gist of it is, uh, despite everything that we've been told, there doesn't appear to be any uh, harm. Um, a Donald Unger was he even received an Ig Nobel Prize <laughs> in medicine in 2009 for his research of, on that very thing. Now, granted, his study was not exactly the best because he used himself as a subject. Um, but beyond that, uh, the British Medical Journal um, has uh, looked at this particular studies as uh, well as um, Western Journal, I, I don't know what, uh, NCBI, uh, National Institute of Health in the United States. Um, both of them have looked at habitual knuckle crackers, and if it does leave any lower strength of yeah. grip or swelling of yeah. the knuckles, and 
eh. They they just don't seem to think there is anything significant there. But I find fantastic that this guy went on for literally 60 years, uh, only uh, cracking his left hand and not his right hand. And you know, in the end, it didn't it didn't find any uh, any problem with it. And this is just fantastic. Yes, it, it's it, it's exactly what the Ig Nobel Prize was made for. I think <laughs> it is. It is. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but is one thing is interesting there is that you know the same person only affected one hand, so you also have a, a control group. Yes. Whereas yes. you know, if you, go, you look at a regular uh, hand knuckle cracker, crackers, they may do it on both hands. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and, and again, uh, it, I think this is, uh, was one of our earlier questions. And uh, you know, if anybody wa- does want to go in there and maybe uh, update uh, Peter's uh, question a little bit on, uh, you know, where he's been told that it's bad for his joints. Um, you know, to kind of give that uh, a specific notoriety, uh, that yeah, might be a good thing on, to do. Honestly, I, I think you know. Yeah, it's good as is as well. Yeah. Um, so next question is: Does being cold increase increase your chances of catching the common cold, which is, you know, the Italian mother kind of thing, right? <laughs> and and it, it, again, this one uh, at least does cite an article on that, um, and it is one of our. Also, one of our earlier, earlier questions. Indeed. So, everybody knows uh, a scary statement that you get a cold from being cold. Now, it seems to be a fact that you don't because you don't get a, a cold, because you get a cold from a virus, not from temperature. Um, so, this guy is asking, Anne is actually a high reputation user, is asking, uh, so is there any correlation between temperature or disease? So, um, it's not a strictly about causation is more about correlation but i think it's an interesting question so people people may may think that for example you know um you of course you don't catch the cold from uh being cold but you may catch the cold because being cold makes you more susceptible to be infected yes and so that's what he's asking and the answer is by uh mark l is uh, 78 votes accepted answer um, so th- that he considers, he says, okay, aside from the effect of cold temperatures on the human body, so which is what we're saying here, it's also important to consider the effect of the cold temperatures on the virus. One study found uh, found that uh, cold reduced. Um, so sorry, uh, one study found reduced virus infectivity at 37 degrees Celsius. That's rather warm. <laughs> yeah. But then, then again, it goes on but, to say it was stable yeah. at six and twenty-three. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I think it it goes on to say, you know, it it does talk a little bit more as you uh, alluded to when you were discussing the question yeah. that, you know, while the temperature may have an effect on your susceptibility to infection, um, you know, he quotes a, a National Institute of Health uh, discussion that does seem to indicate that. Um, you also have to take into account several other factors, uh, you know, such as the effect of the temperature on the virus itself, um, you know, and the humidity and other things. That, Absolutely. Uh, you know, so in, in essence, you know, the Italian mothers or the, you know, whatever 
uh, group of mothers that is out there, you know, there, there is some effect there. But it's not necessarily just because it's cold. There's, there's a little bit more to it than that. Absolutely. It's not as, uh, as obvious as it sounds. Yeah. So okay. another an, another answer by Conrad Rudolph says uh, from a 2007 review exposure to cold and respiratory tract infections um, by two scientists which pardon me I can't really pronounce their name um, <laughs> they say that inhaled cold air cooling of the body surface and cold stress induced by lowering the core body temperature cause pathophysiological responses so they might not cause um, a cold in itself, so a disease, but they may cause symptoms which are similar. Yes. And uh, again, cold makes uh, your nose drip. Yeah, <laughs> you may, you may be experiencing some symptoms that you may attribute to a cold when you don't really have a cold. Yep. Uh, and, and several other answers uh, that go along with it sort of support that. Uh, one of the answers here by straight dope does kind of go a little bit uh, further saying that you know doesn't make you susceptible to the common cold but maybe it, it does um, yeah another thing that could be for example and this is just my speculation is that when you get a fever uh, you feel cold so yeah. people may actually have turned that around <laughs> true you feel cold because you have a fever but maybe mm -hmm. you don't have a running nose. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, after you felt cold because you had the fever, you actually get fever and the running nose. And therefore, you attribute the cold, the feeling cold to having mm -hmm. the running nose. Could be. I don't know. Next question is, is alcohol beneficial in small amounts? So this question is, um, so there are many, actually, there are many versions of this claim. It's so common in Italy. Uh, is promulgated by the, by the media all the time because we are big producers of wine. And um, so they say, okay, a glass of wine a day is actually good for you. That's one, one example of this. Um, Wire Magazine reports is one of those medical anomalies that nobody can really explain. Uh, longitudinal studies have consistently shown that people who don't consume any alcohol all tend to die before people who do. And so on. Yeah. It, it, this is actually kind of uh, an interesting um, question, and only because it kind of drives at a beautiful, wonderful tirade by John Oliver uh, on his uh, This Week Tonight uh, show that he did uh, a few months back, where he was kind of talking about the way some studies will get populated in the media or how they report uh, you know, something that may have a P factor involved in it that shows something, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, uh, that you definitely absolutely have to drink a alcoholic beverage in order to see the benefits. Um, it was, you know, there may be specific compounds that they're working and looking at that are present in some alcoholic beverages but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only way to um, get those. Um, you know, but there is indeed some um, actual academic studies that do show 
that moderate, keyword there, moderate alcohol consumption may provide some benefits. Unfortunately, alcohol is a drug that also can reduce your ability to reason and uh, exhibit self-control. It, it uh, you know, so you may not necessarily stop with what is a moderate amount of alcohol. Which, if you look at a graph, kind of um, further down the chart, it you know lists about a quarter of a drink is what's considered moderate. Whereas most people tend, or is the, like the maximum benefit, but you know once you get beyond that, you know the lines start curving back up again. Yes, I know in Italy they say that you know, sort of drinking while eating that glass of wine and so on is actually good. Nobody's saying that you know eating to get drunk is good, <laughs> and that's and that's that seems to be the biggest thing there, you know. Um, it's probably it probably gets bad before it gets fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, the what, the uh, yeah the the big joke that you know when people cite these studies, if you look on social media, you know there will usually be some sort of smart aleck response, like, "Well, a bottle is a glass, isn't it?" Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know no. that defeats yeah. the moderation portion. Yeah. Also, also another thing that people need to think about is that you know reducing the risk of cancer and I don't know if this is the case but it could be it doesn't mean that makes you make you live longer you know if we all died at 18 our risk of cancer would be significantly lower because Absolutely. because you know there is a dip in 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 <laughs> when people get cancer you know people get cancer uh, more and more as they grow older, or when when they're really young, but it's, it's, it becomes sort of rare in the middle. It's a statistical thing, in a way. Yeah. Um, so, if we ask if if we say that wine reduces the risk of cancer, it doesn't mean that you live longer. Absolutely. And actually, the question is asking that um, whether it makes you win, uh, live longer. Uh, in the example, at least, but many of the many of the answer actually address specific effects. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe they c- it can reduce your the risk of your lung cancer, but it can give you liver cancer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and, and again, this is one of those things that you know, kind of a caution in regards to anything in medical science. Um, while a lot of people consider medical science to be very advanced and quite thorough and knowledgeable um, as far as, you know, our history and the sheer number of variables involved in it, our understanding of medicine isn't as uh, absolute and definitive as many people would like to think. Certainly so. Certainly so. Next question, medical science. Has the cure to cancer been hidden by pharmaceutical companies? This is the quintessential a uh, big pharma conspiracy. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think we all know we all know this theory, right? Yes. Um, so that's actually, you know, a big pharma or big pharmaceutical companies uh, gain more by having people taking ineffective medicine and living longer in misery than actually curing cancer. Um, so, what's the answer there? 
I love this answer. This is a great answer because uh, so Michael uh, Borgwart uh, goes through um, and he kind of breaks it down into four main points. Um, and he basically says there is absolutely no credulity whatsoever to that. And four very good reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, people don't get, you know, individual, individual motivation. People don't get into cancer research to get rich. They want to they want to go cure cancer. It's uh, one of the main motivating factors um, for that. Um, there, you know, there's studies and things like that. Um, and you know, the United States has embarked on uh, what President Obama and uh, Vice President Biden call, you know, our next moonshot is to, you know, go after uh, all these different uh, um, types of cancer that are coming about. That, and you know, people are looking at, you know. Being able to get a Nobel Prize if they, you know, in medicine if they come across something like uh, a good cure for a cancer. Um, then they also he also talks a little bit about uh, uh, profit. Uh, you know, in some some cases, uh, you know, it is more expensive to treat the disease than it is to treat. You know, to give the cure. However, I think in many cases, the number of cures being given out will vastly outweigh, you know, the number of people who are going to be able to get um, a cure versus the number of people who could get um, the treatment, uh, you know, the insurance policies and all that good stuff. So the economics don't always, uh, you know, stack up that way. Also, also, if I may interject, and this is not what he says, not what Michael Bogward says, but it seems to be a logical argument, again, speculation. But people eventually will die of something. And given that most um, pharmaceutical companies sell medicines for most, if not all, the causes of death, it doesn't really matter to them what you die of <laughs> from the point of view of profit, right? Yes. In fact, if they can get v uh, people to live longer so they could cure their cancer and then sell the medicines for whatever else they're going to die of. Yeah. Right? So it doesn't really make any sense. No. Um, and again, it, it talks about, you know, medical research, uh, you know, again, it's, it's an incremental thing, um, you know, that people are continuing to develop cures for many different things. Um, and it's not necessarily done in complete secrecy. You know, people publish papers and publish information about this because, you know, they want other people to have the benefit of it as well as to be able to um, look at it and make sure that they haven't made a blunder. Um, but I think the last bullet is exactly why this whole there's a cure for cancer out there argument totally falls apart. And that is there is not, no such thing as a cancer. There's a multitude of cancers. You know, you have different ways that cancer behaves, different things that set cancer off, etc. Um, right now, we actually do have a cure for a cancer. HPV vaccine, yep. you know, it uh, takes care of four of the most prevalent types of the human papillomavirus, which has been shown to cause um, cervical cancer. Absolutely. It, it, you know, so right there, it, it exists. 
uh, you know, it's out there, you know, but, you know, there's hundreds of diseases. That's why there is such a concerted effort to keep yeah. going with the research. The thing with cancer is that we have cures, you know, when we can prevent the cancer from happening. Mm -hmm. uh, but cancer in itself is a very, very complex disease. Um, it's, it's due to multiple mutations uh, of cells that reproduce very, very quickly. This means that even if you find a cure, but the cure is not 100% effective, the remaining, uh, you will apply selection pressures, so uh, will make the cancer evolve. And e eventually, it's evolution is what kills you, in a way. Mm -hmm. because, because no matter how many medicines we do, if they are not 100% effective, which is really hard, um, you know, the cancer evolves. Yeah. And, and, you know, not only in the prevention of cancer, such as with HPV, but, you know, um, many of the forms of lymphoma have a much uh, greater remission rate nowadays um, Absolutely. You know, through treatment. Another, another thing that also helps very much is early detection because yeah. uh, in, initially most cancers are very localized. So if you can cut off that part, uh, you're safe. Yeah. Of course, that's not really a cure in a way, <laughs> but I'm sure people appreciate that if they can do it. Yes. Yes. So that's it for um, medicine or medical science. And let's go on to politics. <laughs> Right. So until yeah. until until the elections in the U.S., we are gonna have politics questions. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, it can't be avoided. So, next question is about Donald Trump. Uh, did Donald Trump make campaign contributions to attorneys general uh, who then decided not to prosecute him? So, it's a question about. I don't know if it's corruption or inappropriate kind of dealings. But that's what it is. According to this Medium article, which is linked, and this Vox article, uh, Donald Trump made campaign contributions to two attorneys general who then suddenly decided to stop investigating his Trump University for fraud. Is this true? Okay, so this is uh, one of those where it's kind of uh, not quite, uh, but there is, there is some grains of... Uh, factuality in the claim. Um, first of all, there's two different incidents where they have, uh, uh, are speaking about this. Uh, one of them is in Florida and another one's in Texas, where indeed uh, Donald Trump's uh, Trump University was under uh, investigation. Now, it wasn't Trump himself that uh, made the campaign contributions, but the Trump Foundation. So is, you know, did the Trump Foundation just happen to think that uh, those particular attorneys generals uh, are more uh, friendly to Trump or not, and they just pick them for that reason? Uh, who knows? But it's uh, you know it's highly unlikely that Donald Trump himself is making the day-to-day -day decisions of everything that's going on in his foundation. But yes, the especially the the story uh, in Florida is you know that a Twenty-five thousand uh, dollar donation was made to uh, the Florida uh, Attorney's General um, campaign, and uh, you know later uh, the that particular Attorney General cited insufficient grounds to proceed on uh, that particular investigation. 
I think I think there is something a bit that I don't like very much in the question is that they uses the uh, adverb suddenly, um, which is sort of implies that the two things are correlated or or you know one cause the other. Yes. Um, you know there are many reasons why an attorney general may decide to drop something. One of them is being corrupt, uh, but I would assume that that is not the case until it, there is some positive evidence of that being the case. Just a coincidence or two of having been paid uh, attorneys general is really not proof of anything. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no smoking gun, uh, as it were. Um, you know, does it look suspicious, uh, especially from the outside? Yes, it does. But, uh, you know, kind of uh, as with all politics, uh, you know, the motivations of the individuals are not really something that uh, we as skeptics are going to address uh, yes, with any but it, sort of... The other thing is, is, is this cherry-picking? It could very well be, yes. You know, maybe, maybe Trump does that to all attorneys general. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be, I don't know, it hasn't been checked. And, uh, uh, it, he did state that, you know, Trump did state that he does give a lot of money to a lot of people through yeah. that foundation. So, you know... Uh, I believe even uh, in the nine or in the early two thousands, uh, Trump Foundation gave money to Clinton as she was running for Senate in New York. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think it doesn't qualify as corruption. Uh, or, or I don't know how it's called in English. In Italian, it's called like concussion. Um, basically, bad judgment uh, or you know bad uh, timing. No, it means it means okay. For example, it could be given to everyone with the threat that the money will stop coming if you upset him. Ah. Right, so that's the, that's the other way. It's not really corruption because it's not like you pay to get something. It's yeah. more of a threat of, of, you know... Withdrawal. Of withdrawal or doing something wrong. Or something. Yeah. In any case, interesting question. <laughs> yeah. Other, uh, other politics question, um, more about the media... Um, and this is about the Wall Street Journal. So um, this is hard to um, read because it's about a picture, and the picture shows two copies of the Wall Street Journal. Both of them seem to be from the same day. They have the same central um, picture, and they have similar ads as well. And they have two different uh, titles under the picture. The one on the left says, Trump softens his tone. And the one on the right says, Trump talks tough on wall on the wall. Yeah. Right. And the claim is that depending on who you are, the Wall Street Journal would do two different copies. So if you are like in a, in a pro-Trump state, then you get pro-Trump copies. And if you're out of Trump state... Uh, sorry, in, in against Trump, uh, pro Hillary Clinton uh, state, you will get the one against Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and there's also uh, the implication there that the media itself is biased as a result of uh, you know sh- publishing those uh, headlines. Oh, I, I don't think there needs to be any proof that media is <laughs> biased because everybody is. You know, bias is. Yeah. You know, it's like saying uh, an alive person breathes. You know, it's unavoidable. <laughs> Anyway, so 
Is that true? So are, are they doing customized uh, secret copies to in secretly influence people? No, it's not true. Uh, the headlines, so this answer by DJ Clayworth, and the answer says that the headlines come from different times in the day. So there are two different editions in the day and mm. things changed. Yes. And this is, this is a, so this particular set of headlines is when uh, Trump went to Mexico and uh, spoke with um, the uh, Mexican president and uh, gave a speech there. And then within just a few hours, he then went to Arizona and had a different speech played there. And his tone dur during those two speeches was significantly different. And uh, I know a lot of people aren't aware of this, but some newspapers print several editions in a day. Um, so it was just a matter of, uh, you know, one was printed uh, after he had spoken in Mexico with uh, President Nieto, and then uh, the later one was when he had been in uh, Arizona. So no mystery there, just a misunderstanding probably. Yes, yes. Well, and someone who is looking for, uh, you know, a confirmation of a position that they may have. Indeed. So last question for today is a question about an Indonesian man called Mbah Goto, uh, who he claims to be, or is, he is claimed to be, 145 years old, uh, which is hugely old. Yes. Uh, so apparently this person in Indonesia is claiming uh, to be 145 years old. The world's oldest man has been named as Indonesian Bagoto, uh, who is 145 years old, with documentation that says he was born in 1870. Uh, what little I know of biology or documentation, I'm very skeptical of this claim. This, by your friend, right? Jason R. is your friend. Yeah, yes, he yeah. is. So it, it, is this true? And what happened is that um, this person, Delonet, uh, went on and dig down the actual claims in the media, which come from a newspaper. And I think his girlfriend is Indonesian, and he got them translated. So it turns out that things are exactly not as claimed. Um, so first of all, this man doesn't claim to be 145 years old. <laughs> uh, he claims that he doesn't remember when he was born. And the, the fact is that in Indonesia, uh, being a very poor country, there were no registry of when people were born. So uh, as the, the country grows and evolves and gets better, they're trying to uh, establish exactly when people were, were, were born. But without birth registries, you need to ask... And if people don't remember, you need to reconstruct their birth date based on, you know, things they remember. And in this case, he seemed to remember that this particular sugar factory was built when he was um, 18 or, or a teenager. Or so. Yeah. And turns out that uh, that uh, sugar factory that he remembers is actually 145 years old, 146. So, uh, or something like that. So, that's how they dated him. They gave him, uh, they dated his birth, and, and they gave him a, a ID card and a birth certificate with that date. But that doesn't mean it doesn't prove any, anything, right? It's just an estimate, which is probably a very, very bad estimate on when he was born. 
Well, and there seems to be a little bit of kind of a recursive uh, error happening in here too, um, in where he, you know, his present uh, ID that he has is from August 2014, and. It's based on a story that was published uh, just a few days prior to the issue date of his um, ID. So it's, you know, people are recounting a story. And, uh, you know, again, as, as far as documentation goes, you know, that it, like they said, uh, as they quote in here about there were, you know, 170,000 children in that particular district in uh, Java. Uh, born in 2016 that don't ha even have birth certificates. So, you know, when it comes time to you know come up with the documentation, they may be looking for things. And there's other popular things that happen. If he had an older brother who may have died before he was born, sometimes parents will name their child again in that region of the world with the same name. Yep. All, all sorts of uh, things. And it, I, I would like to almost look a little bit at, uh, you know, so Jason makes the claim of what little he knows of biology. Um, and that isn't necessarily dressed. And I would love to have seen someone uh, look at that. Um, you know, can the human body survive? Uh, but that's very, very tricky, right? Yeah. Because we are talking about outliers. Yes. And what you will find in documentation you will find about averages and probabilities, but that does not apply to outliers. It no. literally does not. Is a true, but uh, again, even the outliers, the oldest recorded and uh, documented uh, outlier was in the 120s, wasn't it? Absolutely, and he looks he looks really really old, <laughs> and he say well he says he, he remembers his great grand grandchildren, so that that puts him to be very old, um, or or not, but sure, <laughs> surely not young. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that compounds the error is that, that everybody uh, in his family is dead. Mm -hmm. He's the last survivor. So, you know, if you could ask, you know, his great-grandchildren and so on, you could be maybe reconstruct based on the lives of, you know, his progeny. But he doesn't have any, so it makes all the guessing completely arbitrary. Yeah. And, and uh, in the comments on the questions by Count Iblis, there is a um, comment where he talks about um, from the National Institutes of Health uh, about determining uh, birth uh, by uh, using radiocarbon dating of dental enamel. I don't know how accurate that would be. Who knows? Uh, who knows, but that could be another thing where they could look at, uh, you know, determining his age with any certainty if he were... Um, truly inclined to uh, find out what his age is. Absolutely. So that was the last question for today. Uh, moving on, we want to um, acknowledge and call out in a nice way some uh, some users for great contributions uh, this week. And these users are DJ Clayworth, Rugon, Paul Johnson, and Fred Spen. So DJ Clayworth is. I think it's what, 20,000, 30,000 reputation. So super high reputation. He gave the answer about um, uh, the Washington Post. Yes. The Wall Street Journal, sorry. Wall Street Journal. And of course, he's a great contributor. He mostly answers. And thank you. Yes, 184 answers uh, with, to get that 28,000 reputation. Well done, sir. Yep. 
Next one is Rugon, and he's, um, I think he's, he's a new user, is he not? Um, he's got, he's around 2,700 reputation. He gave the answer uh, about Donald Trump's contribution and a couple of other good answers lately. So very well done and welcome if you're a newcomer. If not, thanks for being here and go on like this. It's perfect. <laughs> and yeah, the next one is Paul Johnson. Again, uh, one of the one of the users that produced, I think, some of the questions that we made. Yes, yes. He he actually asked the uh, Donald Trump campaign contribution, um, and he he also uh, has asked a, a good question about high fat diets causing heart disease. Um, and then he did have a uh, interesting answer on uh, the ARM. Uh, company selling more chips than Intel, but I believe his Donald Trump uh, question is the one that uh, got him up in uh, the notable question area, and is also a, a relatively new user, uh, looking at uh, where he came from uh, back just back in June. Indeed, and I wanted to add that DJ Clayworth, which is the first user I mentioned, also answered. Um, the question about is alcohol beneficial in small amount? The top answer is his. Just as, as a demonstration that, you know, a good user is going to be present in many, many very, very useful uh, answers. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, Fred Spend has been with us some time now. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he's a very inquisitive individual. <laughs> yes. Yeah, asks lots and lots of uh, good questions. Indeed. And the last one he did was about uh, the Wall Street Journal. So yeah. well done, Fred Spend. It's always a pleasure to have you. And finally, um, we want to take a new user and say hi. The new user today is Stragu. Okay, and uh, somebody who is on the uh, you know Stack Exchange uh, community and uh, decided to join us over here at uh, Skeptics. He hasn't asked any questions. Uh, yet or answered any uh, questions but uh, he's uh, you know filled out his profile and uh, we hope to hear from him in uh, the future yep welcome and uh, welcome to the site so I think this concludes the topics that we have for today is there anything else we want to add Steve uh, again um, you know don't take any medical advice uh, from the internet uh, Find a competent, professional uh, medical practitioner. Uh, so that would leave out your Reiki healer and uh, those types as well. Yes. Um, you know, so even if we're right, we're still not medical professionals. Don't so. go out popping your knuckles on our own account because we said <laughs> it doesn't do anything. Yes. Uh, you know, and one thing I've noticed, uh, and uh, you know, this might just be because both you and I tend to follow the uh, skeptical method, but we tend to be... Uh, in agreement pretty much on every single topic we've discussed. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if that is uh, because both of us uh, seem to adhere to skepticism in the same manner or if it's just that you and I are kind of, uh, you know, kindred souls, as it were, in the in the area of skepticism. I, I think that it's, it's, it becomes very, very easy to agree on what the evidence is. Yes. Um, and that's what we agree on. You know, if we were to tackle 
more subjective questions, then we would probably not agree in general, I guess. <laughs> Who knows? But Who I, knows? Think, I think that's why the site works, uh, yeah. that we can all agree on what the evidence is. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the times when it doesn't work for some people is that they confuse the evidence with the truth. Absolutely. And we start by saying we don't know what the absolute truth is. You can't trust us uh, with okay. medical medical advice. Or we anything. don't know what we, <laughs> or anything. But in general, we can tell you what we find. We can tell you what the, what's, what's the evidence, evidence that we find. It's incomplete knowledge. It could be wrong. It could be that uh, someone discovers something better tomorrow. You know, and our understanding changes. And that's fine. The point is, you know, in some places in the internet is also useful to actually discuss what do we know what what right. is the actual evidence mm -hmm. but uh, the reason I kind of brought that up is again um, I, I keep harping on this uh, people may be kind of sick and tired of hearing just our voices so uh, come on over uh, see if you can uh, maybe bring in a different viewpoint or uh, a different way of uh, looking at you know, the evidence that we are putting forward and uh, making our claims uh, based on. So uh, challenge us. Absolutely. Come and disagree with us. We like disagreement as long as it's based on evidence. Yes. So. Okay. Uh, so that's all. Thank you very much, everyone. And have a great day. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Skeptical to be skeptical of those in authority. Then we're up for grabs. In all of